0: Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about some unique tax deductions that you'll want to be careful with. Stick around, that's coming up next.
1: Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Kraftwerk Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Kraftwerk Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions.
0: Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, buddy.
1: Good to see you. Joining you with a fresh haircut that I just got minutes ago.
0: I like it. You look nice and clean. And we had a, a really funny conversation the other day about the haircut because this isn't the first time that you tried to get that haircut.
1: No, I was in desperate need of a haircut the other day. I'm heading out of town tomorrow, so I wanted to get it done quick. And I was like, you know what? Let me go online and book a haircut at just the local barbershop. I hop on, enter all my booking information, get to the end, and it gives me the price for my haircut. Now, my haircut is really simple. You just basically take the razor, go all the way across my hair with a half, half guard. That's it. My daughter has done it and could do it again if I trusted her to do the edges properly. They wanted to charge me $45 for this thing that takes 10 minutes. And I was simply unwilling to pay that price. That seemed astronomically high to me. So I just X'd out of it and refused refused to take that booking. I tried again today and was able to get it done for 24 bucks before tip.
0: So when you first told me that story, I misunderstood what you had done. I thought you had actually gone into the hair place. You were standing in a salon or barbershop of some sort and then balked at the price and walked away. The way that you first told it, I didn't realize that this was an online booking. And it was much funnier to me picturing you just turning on your heels and storming out of an actual physical retail location. It does make more sense that it was online though.
1: I probably would have walked out if I were there in person and saw the price. Now I'm not opposed to like, I think $45 for a actual haircut is reasonable. And I would even pay that after tip if I had a good experience, but you know. 60 bucks all in for my haircut is simply too much. Not yeah. willing to do it.
0: I mean, we we both had that experience, and I know people are feeling this in many ways. I was at Potbelly getting a sandwich yesterday for lunch and an original size turkey and Swiss sandwich, not even like the fancy avocado one that they're trying to push you in. You can tell that they're trying to do that with how they built the menu now. Nine dollars for a turkey and Swiss. I don't know. It's all gotten a little out of hand. It feels like everything is like 50% more expensive, if not more, than it was just a few years ago.
1: Yeah, I seem to remember those original potbelly sandwiches being like six bucks.
0: Yeah, in my mind, that's what it should be. I would have accepted somewhere in the like seven range, but nine just offended me. It was still a good sandwich. I like potbelly, but just in that moment, you know, when the tip screen comes up at the end, you're like, are you kidding me? Nine dollars. <laughs> now you want a tip? Oh my goodness. Maybe we're just getting old. Maybe this is growing old, this yeah, experience. I mean, maybe. I, I, honestly, I still think it's just inflation. But yes, it could also be that, that we're just getting grumpier and grumpier.
1: The combination of both. The one thing that makes everybody universally grumpy, I believe, is when they see their tax bill. I have gotten... It's it's extension time. People are now seeing what they owe for 2022 if you filed an extension. And I am getting a flurry of emails with, oh, my God, what can I do to stop this pain from happening
0: I mean, there's no question. And we talked about it recently on why we look at people's withholding kind of coming into the end of the year, into this last quarter. I think that's an important time. And I've found that for several clients recently that, hey, I think you're a little bit under. I think you're going to end up with a surprise tax bill. You know, Maybe we get ahead of it. Maybe we just decide that we're going to pay it. But I think it's much more helpful when people kind of see that coming a little bit. But it does bring up that a lot of people, when they see those surprise tax bills or just their regular one, start looking for ways to reduce it. And some of the ways to reduce your taxes that we've seen out there, some of them are on you know, Instagram. Some of them are just legitimate questions that we get, I think have brought to light some, some fun questions that I thought we could banter about today.
1: Yeah, let's start with a legitimate one. You did send me a hilarious Instagram one, which I want to get into later. But a legitimate one, which is a way to reduce your taxes, but doesn't often work in the way that people think, is through charitable giving. So, when you give towards charity, you can deduct some of that off of your income, depending on how much, on whether you're itemizing or taking a standard deduction, and it can lower your tax bill. But oftentimes people think that might be a dollar for dollar reduction in your tax bill, which is not the
0: case. Yeah. So, the way that that question would go is hey, I've got a surprise $2,500 tax bill. If I make a $2,500 donation to my favorite charity, does that make it go away?
1: And the answer is maybe a little bit of
0: it, right? Right. Yeah. So when you're thinking about a dollar for dollar reduction, the, what's really going to work that way in most cases is a tax credit. If you're getting a $2,500 tax credit, like the child tax credit or something in that space, the EV tax credit, that is a dollar for dollar offset against your taxes. When you are getting a deduction, what you are getting is a reduction in a dollar of income in most cases. Now, again, that depends on whether you can deduct it and whether you're itemizing or not. As always, talk to your CPA, your tax professional. We're not trying to give you specific tax advice here, but we're trying to tell you generally how it works for the people that may be misunderstanding this. Giving $1 away if you are paying a 22% tax rate means you're basically going to get 22 cents back in tax reduction for every dollar that you donate. And so Yes, you can offset a big tax bill. You can even supercharge that further by donating appreciated stock, where you're going to kind of get this unrealized gain out of your portfolio. But if you're giving money away specifically for that purpose, those are going to be the places that you are receiving that benefit back. It's going to be on the marginal tax rate, on the current rate that you're paying. And then also, if you're getting rid of any embedded gains that are going to be kind of future taxes that you can remove from the portfolio.
1: Yeah. So I don't hope to discourage anyone from making charitable contributions. Giving to your favorite causes is very important, but it's not the answer that people are necessarily looking for when they're looking to reduce their tax burden, unless you're otherwise going to be making charitable gifts anyway.
0: Yeah, there's so many funny things. Daniel Tosh does a joke on this where he talks about the best... Charitable gift is not giving your money away and just keeping it because the deduction isn't worth it to actually give your money away. That's not a very uh, giving sort of spirit, but I did find it funny. Um, And he at least understands the tax code. You know, the other thing that kind of ends up in this category is for people that are self employed or have businesses of their own, is that they can write things off as expenses and they start looking for what can I deduct against my business. Now, this is where the tax code, quite frankly, is very tilted towards business owners. It's tilted towards ownership. There's a lot of things that you can do inside a business where you can deduct things that you otherwise simply couldn't if you've got revenue, if you've got the potential for profit. And so Dan, as a musician, I think of of you as a prime example of somebody that has really been able to, to deduct things that might otherwise be hobby expenses, but it's because you're in bands and and you play gigs. And those are sometimes revenue generating events.
1: Right. So because I play a few shows a year and have to claim that as income on my taxes, that also means I can deduct the gear that I buy against that income. I should start rotating the guitars that I have hanging behind me. So our YouTube viewers can enjoy, enjoy my collection. But yeah, last year, I bought a new guitar, I bought a new pedal. And I was able to deduct that against my 1099 income from the band. So if you are generating income and claiming that income, you have an opportunity to deduct expenses related to that hustle against that income and reduce your tax bill.
0: Now they do need to be legitimate. And that leads us into what I think was the most fun one that we saw. And this is on Instagram. And it was a couple saying that they were deducting the expenses for their guard dog at their home, that they had a pet in their home that was a guard dog and they were deducting the costs of that animal as if it was protecting their business. And that just got me into this, is that legitimate? Like, can you actually do that? And it turns out you can with some pretty strict stipulations.
1: Yeah, you sent me a snapshot. I forget where this is from, but it's really funny reading through it. It came from NOLO. NOLO, okay. Which is a a website that covers a lot of legal topics. I think it's a pretty good resource if you're going to go one layer deep on Google searching. So reading this, you can deduct a guard dog for business expense. The heading of this section is guard dogs for business. It should be a certified guard dog and a member of a traditional guard dog breed like a Rottweiler, German Shepherd, or Pinscher. My, fa- my favorite part of the whole thing, I-, I laughed really hard when I saw this because there's a part that's highlighted, which I read when you sent it to me and didn't read in the second part. <laughs> my favorite part is the cost of the dog itself must be depreciated over seven years or can be deducted in one year using Section 179. The, the thought of depreciating the cost of your dog on your taxes, for some reason, just like sent me off the rails. It was too funny to think about.
0: Yeah, the depreciation schedule for your for your dog is a funny wormhole to go down. So a seven-year depreciation schedule means that the IRS believes your dog's a useful life is seven years. Dan, how long has your dog made it?
1: <laughs> she's uh, 12 years old
0: still kicking
1: i know i was gonna say my wife wishes my dog's useful life was seven years but <laughs> here she is <laughs> i love my dog yeah i should say that
0: your your dog's a sweetheart she just barks a lot and she has ruined many takes of our podcast that we've had to go back and fix later on definitely. or redo definitely <laughs> yeah now your dog's a sweetheart yeah and then under section 179 that essentially lets you take For certain taxpayers, certain businesses, most small businesses are actually going to qualify for this. I actually use it quite a bit in my side hustle business. Section 179 allows you to take a depreciatable expense, but you take it in one year. And so if you buy a new computer that's going to have a five-year lifespan on it, and then you say, hey, rather than depreciating this over five years and spreading that depreciation, I'm just going to take it all up front take the $2,000 deduction or whatever it is in this year as an expense, and then I don't ever get to use it again. The benefit of doing that is that you are going to kind of basically push your depreciation into the year that you use it, but it means you will not have another deduction against the business income for next year. So that tends to work well, again, if you've got a really high income year for the business and you're trying to reduce those expenses or the reason i've always used it is that i tend to buy a little bit of stuff every year and so rather than kind of run five depreciation schedules or 10 depreciation schedules at once which are probably going to add up to about the same thing anyway i'd rather just take it as an expense in the year that i spent the money and it it's a cash business anyway so you know if i stop doing it next year then i won't have to worry about continuing this depreciation schedule even though the business isn't making any money. So for me, that made a lot more sense to use that as long as that's been part of the tax code. um, And it's much easier from a tracking and bookkeeping perspective.
1: Now, I felt the pain of this personally last year, but even though that's a federal benefit that you can use, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's available on the state level. So you can take upfront year one depreciation of purchases federally, but you might still have to maintain a depreciation schedule on the state level. So for my other business, my brewery, we invested a lot in new equipment and expansion last year. Got to write that all off on our federal taxes. But on the state, we had to divide it out by what we purchased and see the useful life of each of those items that are going to need to carry that forward into the future.
0: Yeah. So, Dan, what are some of the other areas where people you know, could be making deductions, but they just simply aren't thinking about it? Or you know maybe they come up as a surprise. I, I think the one that came up in our conversation when we were doing a pre-show for this was gambling expenses. Yeah. You can only deduct gambling expenses if you have winnings, by the way. So you can never take them as losses, but you can take an expense against a win. And so if you go to a casino or you're playing the lottery and you've got a really big win, all the other losing events that you have, you can deduct against those. I think the key to that is just tracking Right. So so most people, I don't think, track their losses because, quite frankly, for, for me I, and I'm I'm in this category, I wouldn't want to know. Now, I haven't been to a casino in a long time, actually, but it, it's it's not something where I want to keep track of. Oh, you know what? I, I lost five hundred bucks this weekend because I was at a bachelor party. Can't wait to write that down in my budget and like track that so I can look at it for the rest of the year and feel like an idiot for losing five hundred bucks stupidly. I'd rather put that out of my mind, but that can actually be a mistake if you eventually have a big win.
1: Right, exactly. Now, the flip side of that is I also don't think most people are tracking or claiming their earnings when they win a few hundred bucks. Now, where that changes is if you win a substantial amount because the casino will actually stop everything, pull you aside and get a 1099 issued for you because they're going to track all of that and that payment to you. Now your gambling losses might matter because you're going to have to claim that gambling income on your tax return because it's documented. And those losses could have helped you there because you can use those losses to whatever extent you have gambling winnings. This happened to a friend of mine. I was there. We were sitting at a blackjack table at a bachelor party and there was some weird side bet that they encouraged us all to do. And this crazy scenario happened where everyone at the table won like at least four figures. And my friend won, I believe it was twenty-five thousand dollars. Wow. On a on like a twenty dollar bet. It was really nice. Everything screeched to a halt. We couldn't play anymore for a while while they came and verified everything. Then they pulled him aside and got all the tax paperwork done. And he left with like a form. You know, this and apparently
0: 20 grand. And 20
1: grand, that's right. After yeah. taxes of whatever, 13.
0: Yeah. No, that's uh it, so I, I think this is Worth bringing up because there's a lot more people sports betting these days. There's been so many states that have legalized sports gambling that you can now do from an app in your home. And I don't think people are thinking that, hey, I'm making a taxable transaction. But the reality is that you are. And so if you get to the end of the year and you're getting a 1099, now in theory, you're supposed to claim any income. But in most cases, I think people are probably only doing this when they get the 1099. Don't commit tax fraud. We're just telling you what I think people actually do. <laughs> Can that be um, our tagline? Yeah. Don't commit tax fraud. That'll be our next sticker, Dan. We're just going to send send people don't commit tax fraud stickers. But as part of if you, if you win a bunch of money in one app, but you've lost in another one, make sure you're keeping track of that. the The beauty of doing it in the apps is that you're going to get a recording of what's happened all year. But your sports gambling, if you've bought lottery tickets and you can like track any of that. Like if you've been to a casino and you've spent a few hundred bucks somewhere, write that down in a note. Cause ultimately if you end up with a gain at the end of the year, that's going to be taxable. You are going to hate paying the taxes on that money and anything that you can put against it. Even if it's a hundred bucks against it legitimately, you're going to feel much better. Cause again, you're going to get the deduction as if it was a dollar for dollar, almost like it was a charitable deduction. Except it wasn't. It was just you losing your money being (laughs) silly. Right.
1: Hopefully having fun doing it.
0: Hopefully having fun. Hopefully paying for some entertainment. So, Dan, in terms of like deductions, I think we've covered everything we wanted to. One of the things that you brought up in this discussion that I thought was fun was things that don't necessarily need to be deducted. And in very certain circumstances, you can rent a home without having to claim the income. Talk about the Augusta rule.
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorite tax loopholes just because it's so absurd and it's very transparent where this came from, the Augusta rule. So when we're talking about things that don't impact your taxes, the Augusta rule allows you to rent your primary residence for up to 14 days per year without having to claim the income on your tax return. That's wild to me. Where on earth do you think this originated from,
0: Ross? Well, since we're already calling it the Augusta rule, we've tipped our hand here, but I believe this is coming from Augusta, Georgia, where the Masters is played every year.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine in Augusta, Georgia, everyone's like, well, a couple of weeks a year, we got the rich people flying into town and we can make bank on our houses. And I sure wouldn't like to pay taxes on that and petitioning an adjustment to the IRS rules and winning because of that. Like, I think that's
0: crazy. I think that's a testament to the types of folks that are members and live near Augusta. Now, as I understand it, and I've never been to Augusta, I would love to go to the Masters someday. Uh, I enter the lottery every every year speaking of lotteries, and I haven't gotten tickets yet, and maybe never will, but I would love to go. But when you think of like Augusta, it's not supposed to be a nice town. And so it it's fascinating to me on kind of like what that home ownership might look like cuz i think of augusta as this incredible club incredibly famous club where most of the people that are members don't live but maybe i'm wrong maybe there's a bunch of people that live right around it that happen to be that influential or or happen to be members and i'm just missing that segment of the population but i kind of thought of it as this like jewel in an otherwise kind of dusty georgia town that is drawing people in and it itself is the attraction. But again, I've never been there. I clearly don't know. And uh, I'm not a member and probably will never know.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know either. I do have a friend who was there last year. Maybe maybe we'll interview him on the show on what's going on around Augusta, Georgia. But the Augusta rule is interesting because even though it originated down there, it applies everywhere. So you can rent your home, your primary residence up to 14 days a year and have that be tax-free income to you. Uh, there are also interesting ways to. I mean, it sounds shady. You can do some potential self-dealing type stuff if you have a business where you can have the business rent your primary home. But again, you need to use it for bona fide business purposes, and I would certainly consult a CPA before you do any of those shenanigans.
0: Yeah, so that would be something like hosting a retreat at your home or something like that. If you're actually bringing the business or or you know coworkers in for a specific purpose, then maybe that becomes legitimate. If it's just like, oh, hey, the the business rented it from me for 14 days, so I'm going to show an expense on my business and tax-free profit on my personal return because I don't have to claim it, that's certainly going to fall into the not-within-the-spirit-of-the-code. Right. Don't Right. commit tax fraud. Don't commit <laughs> tax fraud. Our new sticker coming out soon. I love uh, it. Yeah, I I find all this stuff fun. So uh, if you've got stories out there of deductions that you've been able to use successfully that have been out of the ordinary or things that you thought you'd never be able to deduct that your your CPA has said are completely legitimate within the tax code, we'd love to hear from you. Check your balances at Outlook.com is the email address for the show. You can also DM us on Instagram. Dan, have we gotten any DMs from anybody on Instagram or is it just you kind of hanging out by yourself?
1: Mostly me by myself. We have a couple messages that come through and we appreciate the support of those of you who uh, engage us on that platform.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We hope you had some fun with this like we did. We will see you all next week.